This is Dr. William B. Williams from 10K a Day Dentist, the 5M Mastermind, and the director of Solstice Dot Academy. You are listening to Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry with Dr. Panks. This podcast is sponsored by Rocketbook. I hate wasting paper. If I could, I would not use pen and paper at all. But I love the feeling of writing and drawing with pen on a nice paper. Somehow, I feel I'm connected to it, but always hated the fact that I cannot bring my drawings or ideas to the digital world. Now, Rocketbook is the exact amalgamation of both the physical and the virtual world. Hear this. You can draw or write on the Rocketbook, take a picture with the Rocketbook app, and magically it cleans the picture and sends it to Google Drive, Evernote, Dropbox, OneDrive, OneNote, Slack, Box, iCloud, iMessage, or even classic email. Just configure the symbols once, and that's it. You snap a picture, and your drawings or plans or notes are right in the Drive or Dropbox or anything that you choose to send it to. Once you're done, simply use a moist towel. Yes, a moist paper towel. And you can erase it. Only to be used again. Simply saving paper. Simply head over to podcastsofthenistry.com slash rocketbook. Welcome to Hashtag POD, Podcasts of Dentistry. And I'm your host, Dr. Pang Stingra. Today's guest is none other than Grace from IdentityMarketing.com and GraceRizzo.com. We go through a range of conversations and there's a lot that we can learn from these conversations. These conversations should make us think the way that we should be building and implementing systems in our offices. I see these conversations with Grace as a stepping stone to set up systems. She shares her weekly schedule and the schedule that makes her being so productive and what her structured week looks like. She shares all her learning experiences of managing a team and how we can implement that in our dental offices. She also shares why she rants in her podcast and how she intends to use those podcasts to educate dental offices to achieve marketing success. Who is most responsible for making or breaking of the dental office? She shares how she got into dentistry and how she survived her first year in business and what she ate at that time. Well, the food is actually more symbolic, but it does show a great quality of a startup and of course, graces. She shares her favorite rant and why she believes that the customer is not always right. She also opens up what her definition of success is and who she considers successful. She opens up what she calls as a business karma. What is it and how does it impact everybody who's in the business? She also shares her morning ritual and she opens up what she does on Super Tuesdays every week. She also shares what her rigorous marketing process is, who is her ideal client and the red flags that we should be looking for before hiring a marketing agency. She talks about team management and training the staff and not to mention she answers my Tim Ferriss inspired questions with books, purchases, quotes and many, many more. I hope you like the session as much as I do. So, without further ado, Grace Rizzo. 
How's life? Life is good. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited and I'm, um, you know, any opportunity to share who, who we are, what we do, I think is a good opportunity. So. Right. It's not that I don't have availability. It's that I'm really weird with my schedule. Like I have certain days where I do certain types of of work in order to kind of juggle everything. So okay, that's a that's a good start. Let's let's stop you right there. Tell me more about that. You know, how do you do the, your 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 week thing? So it's very rare that I work after four p.m. and I stop taking client calls usually before three p.m. Um, and then I've got a very structured week. So my Monday mornings are always blocked for my team and team development and reviewing um, occurrences from the previous week. So we have a really set, awesome meeting every Monday. Yeah. And just we get everybody just amped up and excited for the week. And then um, Fridays we do team lunches. So I, I try to do that. But I travel and speak a lot of times Thursdays to Fridays. Yeah. And then I've got, when I'm not traveling and speaking, I block Thursdays for my own podcasting and interviews with industry experts and networking and things like that. Um, And then I have Wednesdays for um, some time for client meetings. And then half of the day is for business development. So that's where I'm working with my team on systems and, um, you know, our planning, working on our business. And so it's just this uh, block scheduling that I that I live by. Otherwise, I would feel so scattered between all of the different roles that I play hmm. that I don't think I'd have as much job satisfaction. Fair enough. Well, so, okay. So Monday, you said you would do what again? Monday morning, we are here by 8 a.m. sharp, and we do our team meeting. Team meeting, and it's usually yeah. It's usually about 90 minutes. Wow. Great. Well, I think we can go at least on your schedule thing. I know uh, this would be very interesting. I think we can certainly uh, implement that in our dental business owner portion too. You know, so so Monday is a team meeting. Uh, so basically you're saying one day should be for the team. You're talking about, uh, you know, what you need to do for this week to go through, right? I mean, Uh, what you want to achieve within this week. Am I right to say? Yes. So we have a form, too, that we have on our desk all week. Okay. So as things happen, Mm -hmm. we put different things in different categories. So, for instance, we've got proposed system tweaks or changes. Hmm. And so, um, and I've got to credit my friend for this phrase. Um, Gosh, who gave me this phrase? I had it. I can't use it unless I credit her. She told me. She's she's awesome. Who's um, she again? But she, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her name, so I don't want to. I don't even want to say the phrase unless I can think of her name. Okay. Because credits credits Chris Duval. Chris Duval. Chris Duval. Um, I was talking to her about this, and she told me I call that when something goes wrong in the business because it's going to happen at, yeah. at some level. She goes, and it's because someone didn't follow a step or they missed a direction because everything is so clearly outlined. She goes, I call that protocol drift. And I'm like, oh, I love that. I love that. (laughs) So we do. We talk about if there were any 
learning experiences. And I call them learning experiences because I found that people are more open to share their mistakes if we don't call them mistakes, if we call them learning experiences. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, I think the if you say that, that's what Dr. Travis Campbell said to me in the last podcast episode. If said, if you start a conversation with you. You Grace did that. You Grace did this. You know, that means the 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 other person in in this example, Grace, would be very uh, trying to save herself with the with the error she did, and she would be very, you know, her primal nature would kick in basically, trying to save herself from embarrassment, trying to save herself from fear of being wrong, um, and so don't start so don't start with you. Just start with. Okay, we have this trouble. You know, this is what happened. How can we make sure that this doesn't happen again? Kind of scenario. Exactly. So, and so we document instances as they happen. Um, we talk about, you know, we have a very set format to the meeting. Sure, it's actually sure. it's very consistent every week. Cool. Um, and it and we always practice eat that frog method. So anything that's tough, we talk about first. Sure. And then sure. we build to all positivity and we always end the meeting, you know, there's always a lot of um, appreciation. We always mm-hmm. end the meeting with appreciation and we take note throughout the week why we appreciate each other and for what specific things do we appreciate each other for. And sometimes it's something simple. It's like this person always has a good attitude and makes me love my job even more. And sometimes it's very specific like, I needed help building that landing page and this person sat next to me and, and made sure that I did it right. And so that, that I call it the magic. We have the magic right now on the team, right. which, which really happens with these, with the investment of time into the team. And I think too many business owners think, um, Oh my goodness, I could never spend an hour a week with my team. Think of all that lost production. No. Um, but it's the highest and best use of your time is to build that magic. Great. So Monday is a team meeting. You have a very strict form and you work with it. Um, eat the frog is, is, is what you follow. And obviously appreciate uh, your staff. Uh, and Wednesday you said you have client meetings. Uh, thank you for coming on Wednesday today. Uh, maybe I'm one of your clients now. Uh, Thursday you do uh, one of the podcast episode. And I, I was looking at your podcast. You have... Uh, two podcast episodes. I mean, not episodes, but two podcasts, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Do you I wanna- have two. I so I have I have unapologetically Grace, and okay. I have Dentistry's Growing with Grace. Yeah. So uh, I I think the name itself is very uh, great. Like unapologetically Grace. Uh, I like the name. To be honest, like, is it something like you're gonna say your shit? You don't care what you say, right? And whether people like it or not, you're not going to apologize for it because that's your great opinion. Am I right to understand? Or you have something yes. else to add to it? Nope, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a place for me to just share these really important business thoughts, day-to-day, th- you know, experiences, and I'm not perfect. I think I share the most from when I'm learning myself and when I'm acknowledging my own learning experiences, <laughs> my own mistakes, I'm so focused on that. Um, 
that I'm sharing everything that I can because I want to prevent as many people as I can from making the mistakes that I've already made. Cool. Why make them yourself if you can just let me make them for you? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I think uh, this this is where I uh, I remember I met a friend years ago and she came from uh, her country and uh, to the U.S. and her husband had been here for a long time. We were good friends, right? And and uh, my my husband was like, I kept telling her, don't do this, don't do that, because I've been here longer than you. But she never listened. And I realized that's not only her. Many people do that. Part of the reason my understanding is that's your that's human nature that we don't understand that we can learn from other ex- experiences. Uh, we don't. We are not open enough that we could be wrong, right? Somebody. Uh, somebody who's been in the game for a longer than you, uh, somebody who's been doing it better than you, it's, there's a reason he or she is doing better than you, so we should be open up. Yeah. Right? And, and Yes and no. I don't necessarily think it's like someone who's been in it longer, somebody who's doing it better. I think that okay. you can learn at different depths, and I think that there's so many different ways to solve a problem And that for each personality type, there's a right way. So just when you think you have it figured out, the world introduces a new type of human. And you can learn another way to handle that. And the more tools in your tool belt, the more solutions that you have, the more experiences that you have, the more open you are to different personality types and different types of solutions, the more equipped you are to handle the next level of success. So you're building, you're building your experience, you're building your openness so that when, when life smacks you with that, with that gut punch where you're <laughs> like, I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect to treat a patient like this or I didn't expect to ever have a client so unreasonable. You've got those tools and that confidence built yeah. to where you know you can handle it and you know you're going to come out on the other side okay. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it no, does. No, it to does. Me. Yeah, no, it does. It does. I think uh, somebody. Uh, I think you're talking about the psychology. Basically, uh, if you have, if you understand the psychology of the person we're talking to, right? Uh, the reason I reached out to you and I was very confident that you would accept my invitation to be on podcast uh, was I've been following you for at least two years, if nothing else, and. Um, and honestly, we had exchanged, you know, a couple social media, hi, hellos, and byes, you know, all that. But other than that, I followed you and I felt that, you know, it was very authentic. I am always, always looking for authentic people, you know, who are willing to share, uh, uh, you know, the right experience, the right attitude. That made me very confident, you know, Grace, Grace is going to say hell, uh, uh, hello and yes, very gracefully, as I said, right? <laughs> So, um, coming back to unapologetically Grace, uh, how did you how did you come up with the name? Uh, why did you even get into uh, such a podcast? I, I think it's it's more for me than for everyone else. Okay. Which now I sound like a real narcissist because I've got my name in both podcasts, <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's for my own growth. <laughs> but in reality, it is. Um, I've actually just taken snippets from what I've done on social media Mm -hmm. and refurbished it into a podcast. Right. And so I actually don't touch unapologetically grace. My team just pulls tidbits and puts it out there so that, that people who maybe don't know who I am or maybe don't follow me on Facebook 
or they're not in my Facebook group, they still can have access to my rants, which (laughs) could be a blessing or a curse. (laughs) No, I think um, it is what it is. No, I think um, uh, dental word is is a different word, I think. Um, Maybe I'm in dentistry. I'm being a dentist myself. So I uh, I see a lot of dentists, they think that they're way too smart including myself. Sometimes I feel that I'm too smart. But, you know, I'm not. I'm, that's, uh, my, that's my reason of doing a podcast was I can learn from all you guys. And I make friends like Grace, Dr. Travis Campbell, and Dr. Justin Moody, and so on. Makes me feel so good. Um, so I think we all are in a different dentistry word, which is, it's, it's a crazy word. It's a crazy word. Um, and your rants help. Your rent's help, believe me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's, you know what? I learned, before I actually started my business, I worked in a dental practice for a couple years. Yeah. And why don't we? I why don't we, why don't we go in more detail here? Because I think my next question uh, uh, is pertaining to something similar. How did you even end up being in a dental ward? You know, okay, marketing is one thing. Mm-hmm. Marketing to dental offices. Tell me, tell me more. Uh, how did you even end up being in such a ward? What's your story? So I, I graduated from Marquette University in 2007. And I won't give you every, every moment of my life, I promise. Um, I, in 2007, it felt like no one was hiring. And yeah. I'll tell you, I know for sure they weren't hiring me. I was sending my, I had this amazing like resume. And in a creative field, like advertising, you, you want to showcase your copywriting, your design skills. So I had designed this really unique um, cover letter and showcasing all of my abilities and my work. Yeah, I was willing to work for free. I literally reached out to over a hundred creative directors, saying, "Like, can I come and learn under you? You don't even have to pay me. I'll live with family as a twenty-two-year-old. Sure. Like, I'll figure it out." I couldn't get people weren't growing. Everyone was pulling back. Everyone was panicked because it had been so long since we'd really seen a recession like the one we were going into. And I just decided, you know what, if I don't work at an agency, if that's not God's plan for me, then what what is? And I I stumbled upon an opportunity at a dental practice Mm -hmm. doing their marketing. Mm -hmm. And I was always in marketing. It's always been my passion. And I found that to be... um, a different world. Okay. I fell in love with the dental world. I saw the demands on the dentist. I saw the demands of running the business, growing the business, managing the team, acquiring talent. And then I saw what was available at the time in marketing. Mm-hmm. And I was appalled because, and I'm very vocal about this, and I always offend people when I say it. But the extracted tooth logo is not a brand. Um, it's not a differentiator. It's it's not thoughtful marketing. It's not ideal from someone who's studied the psychology of branding and marketing. And then I saw everything I saw was the same stock photography, you know, that, yeah, that blonde yeah. chick with the long fingernails. I mean, she was on everything. And I'm like, what's this is why people don't love the dentist is because we're not telling them to love the dentist. Okay. We're not communicating. And so you could hear my voice and my energy just elevating. Sure, I, no. I recognized a passion sure. for, sure. for um, 
not just marketing dentistry, but properly representing dentistry. Okay. And at that point in my life, I had decay in most of my teeth. I didn't grow up with a lot of healthcare in general. I didn't have like, I, I had some great things about my childhood, but I had a really difficult childhood. I wasn't always receiving the care that, that mm. like someone would want for their kids. And so in working in dentistry, I was able to understand the importance of it and it changed my life. So I went from never smiling, never being comfortable to having that piece of me change. And I decided at that time, I can help more people get quality care by communicating what's so great about dentistry. So really, like the short of it is I fell in love. Okay. I fell in love with what I was doing mm. and wanted to do more of it as quickly as possible. So at 24, I started Identity Dental Marketing and at the time um, was really one of the first dental-specific custom marketing companies. Um, so it was it was cool. It was fun. <laughs> so I think... Um, uh you starting a company at the age of 24, right? And sticking on to it. I think long haul, sticking on to this game for the long haul when you don't even know whether it's going to be as successful as what it is right now, right? I'm sure you're going to be more successful in the future as you're growing and you're everywhere. You see Grace everywhere on Facebook. <laughs> right? Thank you. Right? So uh, I'm saying uh, what kept you going? What hints, like, what did you, what were your initial wins that kept you going from, you know, okay, I, I set up my own uh, marketing company in 2004, right? And it's 2009, am I right? 2009. 2009. Yes, sorry. Yeah. 2009, 10 years ago. What kept you going uh, f from starting the company and trying to make it successful? Because not, believe me, it takes time. Uh, for anything to be successful. What was your thought process at that time? Um, I had faith. I had faith that if I did the right thing for every person that I encountered, that it would grow. And I took it literally one day at a time and made it my full-time job even before I had full-time work. So I, I pretty much skipped the vast majority of my 20s. I I didn't I would go to a friend's house to like watch a football game and I would bring my computer and I would work the whole time. I'd eat the chicken wing. Like I actually remember like eating <laughs> hot wings at my friend's house. They were all drinking beer and watching football and I was sitting there designing, creating while they were relax I don't relax. Like I love what I do. And yeah. so for me like my first year in business, I lived on 12,000 dollars. Wow. Total. I mean, you're talking ramen noodles and food in the bowl for my dog. Mm. And I shared a three bedroom apartment with people I, I didn't know. And I got to know them. Right. Um, and I just, I, I had to make it work. Like I had to. Yeah. Okay. But, but the blessing in that, and, th and this is where God has plans that, that sometimes we don't have. Sure. My vision for my life was I'm going to graduate college 
I'm going to get a job in advertising. Didn't happen. I'm going to get married because I can't wait to have a family and I want to be a mom. Didn't happen. And so when my plan stopped working out, I just poured myself into what God had given me. Okay. And then everything followed perfectly. And if I had met the husband sooner, had the kids, had the mortgage, I think it would have been a lot harder for me because I wouldn't have had the time. Um, so it just, I think it's part partly just being open to God's plan for you. Got it. Got it. So uh, basically you, you just worked with the bare minimum, you know, whatever you could get. $12,000 is not much. Even in 2009, it wasn't much. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, you remind me of Gary V. You know Gary V, I'm sure? Gary Vaynerchuk? Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He kept saying that. I had nothing when I started off and I made this blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he basically believes in struggling and toiling and working way hard, harder than your peers, your 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 competitors, so that when you're working, nobody else is working, like, you know, your Super Bowl game. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, that made you that made you uh, successful i believe um also i i was also researching and you said you said one of uh, one of the things that on facebook said if i were to do it again i would take out a loan and market sooner when you were starting out that was your i, I saw the passion in that that uh, thing do you want to elaborate a little bit on that what was your thought when you were said 20 that? 24-year-old Grace um, didn't have the life experience to really understand how these things work. And 35-year-old Grace knows that with a little bit of money in your pocket, you can move a lot quicker. Okay. And so if I were to start, if I were to be starting over again and I was able to coach my younger self, mm -hmm. I would... I would know how to get me there a lot quicker. Just because you know what you know right now, or you think even if you had that money, an extra two grand or maybe extra three grand that time in 2014, uh, nine, sorry, um, you would have been still able to do more. Do you see what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, uh, this is what you're saying after 10 years of your experience in the game, or, or even though you would have, been able to spend that money at that time in 2009 and still be able to do good? At that time, I did the right thing based on what I knew and my capabilities. Okay. If I was starting another business now, 35-year-old Grace, yeah. I would be more uh, able mm. to have some more risk in it because I'm more confident in what I'm doing because of that experience but if I was coaching a 24-year-old, yeah, I would coach them with what I know as a 35-year-old. I wouldn't tell them to follow sure. my exact steps unless I felt like that was they had the time and they had the ability to do it that way. Right, right, right. So I think, and, and that's where I'm weird, is I think every single situation is situational. Right. It's all circumstantial, right? I think, um, uh, would you say that whatever you did uh, based on the circumstances, you did really good? I mean, you took the right decisions and, you know, you, you are where you are right now. I know I've helped a lot of people. I know that the people that I've worked with, I have helped them 
um, in any way that I can in any, you know, at any capacity that I can. So I, I feel very good about my contribution on this planet. And I just want to, I just want to contribute more. I just want to do more. <laughs> that, that's the attitude. That's a beautiful attitude. I think um, it's hard. It's hard to do such an attitude. So we were talking about, uh, about your podcast. Um, uh, so do you want to, uh, do you like any specific podcast episode? Uh, specifically in unapologetic grace any specific I've rant i've never listened to my own podcast <laughs> well any any rant do you think <laughs> any rant do you think would um, that is your favorite rant i would say oh uh, you know i love oh, this is going to sound so bad but it's so true I love shining light on the responsibility of an owner. And I think when you become a business owner, you need to suit up, you need to put your armor on, and you need to get ready to carry the load. Because if you expect to to be successful, you have an obligation to your team first and to your clients second to be positive to show up and to carry carry the weight carry the weight and so anytime that i talk on any topic related to what it means to be an owner or a leader it means to go like this it means to take responsibility it needs to, it means to you got to check the ego at the door in order in order to lead and i see a lot of people in dentistry going i'm not where i should be because oh, this this person didn't do their job or I hired this company and it was a waste and poor me. And I'm just so <laughs> sick of the pity party. So here here's a new rant. There okay. you go. There's a new rant sure. for you. Sure. Um, I just, I love getting people to take accountability and responsibility for their life. Mm-hmm. That's hard. People think um, uh, they're entitled, you know, they all are entitled. I see so many patients here like, um, we are taking care of you for, ev- I mean, I'm talking about Medicaid patients specifically. Mm-hmm. They would, they would like, they would create the biggest fuss in the office if at all. Don't get me wrong. Many of them are really, really great. They're very thankful for what we do. But once in a while, I'll have such patient who would be, who would r- act as if they're entitled to every little thing. Come on, get out. It's a, Just- it's, a learned, it's a learned strategy as well. Um, and we're in an environment right now where it takes two minutes to go write a bad review about someone. People have learned that they can say, hey, doctor, or hey, marketing company, I'm going to keep this dentistry you did, or I'm going to keep this website you did, but if you don't give me all my money back, I'm going to rip you apart online. Exactly. And if we play that game, we empower those people, mm-hmm. and we feed that mentality of entitlement. Um, and it's it's appalling how, how frequent it is. Sure. Um, and so we're, we're in, an, in a time where... The consumer has so much power, mm-hmm. and the consumer is always right. But let's face it, no, they're not. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. And when we start to recognize, and this goes back to identifying personality types and identifying 
who certain people are behaviors that they've come to lean on, Mm -hmm. we can sometimes protect ourselves as we learn through these experiences. What do you say a typical dentist should do if somebody comes up to them? Hey, you did a denture for me and the patient loves it, but you know, they got greedy for whatever reason and now they want their money back. Would you like to return the denture? The denture? Okay, that's possible. Is it a return? Because what about, what about the crown? Usually, what about the crown? Would you like to return the crown? Okay. Are you going to have another dentist do the crown? Are you that unhappy with it that you're willing to return it mm-hmm. for your money back? Oh well, no. I'm going to keep the crown. Well, then you're. This isn't a return. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about our return policy. Yeah, my return policy is when you give my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. Um, so, do you do? Do you have a a, a partner or a friend? Uh, do you do the podcast with, or it's just all grace? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do interview people. I love to interview people. Yeah, I love to dig into what makes people tick and what do they do to to help this great profession. And so I I do that's that's growing with grace is mostly interviews and then unapologetically grace is my rants. Right. So that's why I felt they needed two different platforms. Sure, sure. No, I completely agree. Which uh so you were talking about growing with grace uh now what episode did you love the best? Who did you have the most fun with if at all? You know, do you remember anybody or do you think Whoever provided the most, um, not information, but most uh, value of the time. You know, you know who I had the best, I think, just like business chemistry with in terms of uh, mm-hmm. just banter and fun was me and Jordan Comstock on an interview I don't even know that anyone followed what we were saying because we were just laughing the whole time. <laughs> but that was a really fun day. That was a fun podcast. I think um, uh, the way we are laughing, uh, that could be the second best for you, I believe. I, <laughs> I think it's up there for sure. It's up there. <laughs> so um, now I was, um, you know, researching about Grace on Facebook is easy, right? I mean, she's everywhere, as I said. But what do you mean by the only way to overcome the feelings of exclusion is to create your own inclusion. That was a long... Uh, that was a long post. Like, that was a long post, yeah. I was saying. So yeah. do you want to say something about that? I love that idea, by you're, the way. You're good at this, by the way. You're really good at this. <laughs> you really dug into some meat and you're really getting to the core of like who I am. Well, I'm really liking this. Well, I am actually inspired by, as I said, Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan. I've been listening to Tim Ferriss. I think he has more than 300 episodes. I've listened to all. I, I've listened to all so much that probably I know what he's going to ask next. So, wow. So Wow. I'm really I'm really impressed and really honored to even to be having this conversation. Yeah. So thank, thank you. you. Um thank you. what I meant by that, and I think I was just trying to share with people Yeah. Because usually what we feel and think in our head, like the space between our ears mm-hmm. is our reality. Like what we think is our reality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in business, especially when you're building or getting started or if you don't have a partner, you feel like you're kind of in it alone. 
And for a lot of years in dentistry, I would go to like a networking meeting and no one knew who I was. I've matured a lot in my appearance, but when I started, I looked very, very young and I just felt very isolated. Okay. So um, since then, I started reaching out to people and started, um, on occasion, I'll host a party or I'll plan an event, just getting people together in the room. And I've created my own network Mm -hmm. of people that I can depend on in true friendships beyond just business relationships, true friendships. And to me, that's really defeated that feeling of isolation and exclusion. Mm. And I learned that when people feel that way, it's it's here. Um, it's not necessarily reality, and it's our responsibility to create those relationships that they're not going to just happen, mm-hmm. that we have to be open to it, and we have to take action to create that. So that was a big realization for me because I did. I felt like I was um, putting out content for a long time, but I felt very alone in it um, because I didn't get anything. I didn't feel like I was getting anything back. back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, that, well, that's the power of social media, you know, uh, but I, but also at the same time, what I feel is since you've done it so many a times, so many a times, there are five people who connected with, for example, to one of your first Facebook webinar or whatnot. But those five, they're, out of those five, three are really impressed. And then you do it again. Now those three are there and maybe those two are there too. But then that, that builds up. And I think that's what happened in your case too. You've built up a good following. Um, not a, you. And you cannot, uh, I also believe that you cannot make everybody happy, right? I mean, I can do a good crown. I can do a new good marketing. My logo, my website could be good for me. You, Grace might like it. You know, my partner would hate it. You know, uh, very common, right? We cannot convince everybody. And I think that's part of the reason is because we all are people the way we are, you know, the way we have grown. The, uh, our, the way, our upbringing is entirely different than, you know, everybody's different. Even though they're in the same yeah. house, living together, twins, they also have two different personalities. So everybody's yeah. different. Um, and I think as long as you keep on, uh, we all keep on attracting few people. As you know, um, Kevin Kelly, if I'm not wrong, um, this guy says you should have a th- hundred, a thousand true fans. That's it. You need only thousand true fans. Um, I think I'm, I've got the name correct, Kevin Kelly, or I'll, yeah, I'll get you. Sure. Name. I'll get you the name. Uh, yeah. But thousand true fans or something. You need only that much in total for you to make any money, for you to be successful, and that's all. Uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I just think like on a on a fulfillment level, on a happiness level, because I do think that's like the ultimate determinant of success is how happy are you when it comes to that. Um, one of our our deepest human needs is to have a sense of belonging. Yeah. And I think when you can accomplish that in your business life, I mean, because, yeah, we have our families, we have our friends, things like that. But if you go to someone's like mom and you say, can you explain what your child, adult (laughs) child does at work? You know, they're not going to be able to articulate that. And so the people who really, as you grow and evolve in business, you need that business family. You need those people who understand 
your heart and are there for you because this this entrepreneurial path is filled with with potholes and mm. and stones and storms and hills and if you don't have people cheering you on you don't have people in your corner it could be a lonely journey that's what people always say entrepreneurial being entrepreneur is easy following entrepreneurship is hard you know being an entrepreneur is so easy but um <laughs> oh, th- thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I think uh, we are on the right track talking about, you know, uh, uh, what is your definition of successful? You kind of uh, uh, kind of alluded to it a little bit. But uh, if you want to elaborate, continue on the same topic. Uh, wh- who do you think is successful in your in your family, in your friends and, you know, or it could be anybody whom you don't know. Um, and what is your definition of, you know, being successful? I think it's individually defined. Um, for me, the way I've defined it for myself is um, it's well. First of all, like I said before, I think it's happiness. Yeah, I think it's how how happy are you? But no one's going to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that you're not successful. But if you can, if you can overall like in the whole picture of your life, if you can embrace the journey, the ups and the downs, and you can and you can look at your life and you can be proud of it and you know that you're doing things the right way and you're helping people, you're contributing, you can feel good about yourself and your contribution. I, I think it has so much more to do with with who we are and what we contribute than what we have. And it's it's weird because right now we're in this social media era and you've got all these thought leaders posting pictures in front of their jets. And it's like, no one gives a shit how much <laughs> you have. Yeah. Um, I mean, but to a lot of people, they're chasing that dollar. But then at the end of the day, they don't have that fulfillment in their life. How are you, how are you spending your money? Okay, yeah, we could talk all day about saving it and accumulating it in retirement. If you're working just to retire, Mm -hmm. I would say you're not being successful in your career because you're missing the journey. You're missing the excitement. You're missing the joy that comes from getting over that pothole. Exactly. Or through that rainstorm. There's joy in that. And for myself, the success is growth. Okay. Okay. I'm growing. I'm successful. Hmm. Interesting. And who do you think... um, uh, first two people come in your mind who you think are successful with your definition or in general, whatever comes in your mind first. I don't have, I, I've worked really hard to not have a, a judgmental like mm-hmm. mind. Okay. And so that's a really hard question for me to answer because I would, I would point to anyone in my life who has has happiness and who has contentment, and I would say that they're all equally successful. Wow, you remind me of uh, Dr. Russell Kirk. I interviewed him. Uh, it was such a long interview that we had to. He 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 got me two hours, and we were talking for so much so long that we couldn't go the second round. We have to do a second round, by the way. But he's busy, anyways. But he said something similar, and he says. Um, his grandfather, I think, was very successful. And I was like, 
okay, why you say that? And he comes to the story that everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. He was happy. He had people around him, you know. And, you know, you remind me of that, you know, uh, his grandfather, maybe, maybe uh, you have a similar, similar thought process, I should say, with Dr. Russell Kirk. Awesome. Great, great. Um, I mean, I can go on and on uh, on such topic, but let's let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, you also talked about uh, karma, specifically business karma. Now, elaborate. I think I know what you mean, but for my audience who don't know, so it's it's kind of a twofold theory. Okay. That I've come up with. Um, you know, traditional karma is what you put out, you're going to get back. And what, you know, this idea that um, we don't have to so much worry about righting other people's wrongs or keeping score because that's not our job here. And, that, and that's how I interpret it. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I interpret okay. it. Um, my concept of business karma is is similar. It's what you put out is going to come back to you, but not in a tit for tat way. It's going to be, so for instance, when you're starting a business and you're making a hundred calls a day and you're, you're trying to network and you're really putting your all into it and you might get just trickles of return and you feel like, but I'm working so hard. How is this not coming to fruition when I am just busting my butt? It will come. Okay. It may not come in your timeline or by your standards, but what you put in, it's input output. What you put in is going to come back to you at some level. Those efforts are not a waste. Um, and I think sometimes people need to hear that, especially when they're getting started. So it's kind of like the first concept of it. The second concept of it is give without expectation of receiving in return. So a lot of times people will be like, oh, uh, you know, you go to these networking groups or whatever. How many people did you refer to me? And <laughs> did you refer to this person? And they're like literally tallying, like yeah. try to keep score of what they can give and there's this this almost feeling of negativity. Like, did I give enough? Did I receive too much? Like, I just throw it all away and say, help the people that you can when you can with what you can. And it will come back to you. And, and the more people that you can help, the better. If they're good people, you pick the people that you feel like you can help. And, and that'll come back to you. So that's kind of my my thought process on business. Yeah. Um, and it has more to do with not keeping score and leaving it to the universe or God or your high, higher power to keep track and to to right the wrongs. And that it's our job to just continue to give what we can and continue to stay on the path of honesty, ethics, and doing the right thing all the time. And then you'll be taken care of. And that's kind of just... What I tell myself to get <laughs> maybe to get through like difficult situations. Well, it seems like it's helping, right? <laughs> You're smiling. Well, I'm happy, so it's 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 worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, um, 
there was a time in my life too personally when i was uh, uh looking for some help and uh, before that before that help when i needed it and i i help people around too you know um not expecting anything in return to be honest uh because whatever my experience but and then my thought is similar um and i said when i did that without asking for anything in return it it gave to me you know the returns yes. came back to me in some other weird way which i believe you know which wouldn't have been possible by the way we wouldn't have been sitting here talking to you you know uh, if it wasn't for that you know and i think i i completely believe in uh, karma and you know as as you say business karma <laughs> i like that <laughs> thanks yeah do you want to add anything else to on the karma side anything in your mind uh, pertaining to that um I guess I'd just like to say for anyone who has um stolen content from me, lied about me, <laughs> came after me, um I have I have no ill will, no desire to even the score ever and I just yeah, move forward. Sometimes it, it's it's emotionally difficult when you are a creative and you're and you're earning in your business and what you do is dependent on your creative ability and then you just have people pick I and I think the great minds think alike and I think there's a, a lot of similar content that that could be created or spurred off of different ideas and that's why people are called thought leaders is because they're leading thought and they're starting conversation I am all for that it's the plagiarism <laughs> when you remove my name yeah that I have to turn to business karma and go I'm not going to give this my energy because it's not a positive place to put my mind and I'm just going to keep going. Great. So great. Yeah. That's that's a great attitude I believe. Um and believe me it's come back it's going to come back good for you. Um Thanks. So um I think I've got a fairly good idea about your routine for the week, you know, in the business sense, right? But what's your routine um before coming to the business and after 4 o'clock? when you're done. Well, did you notice I skipped Tuesday? Yes, I did actually. I did not ask you because I thought you didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so Tuesday is like my my super grind. Like I am going to talk, sorry. I'm going to talk to as many people as I can on Tuesday, help as many people as I can on Tuesday. I do the same thing on Thursday too when I'm not podcasting or traveling. Okay. And a little bit of Wednesday. So I'll spend all of Tuesday um, with back-to-back meetings with Dennis talking strategy. Hmm. So I just give away as much of my time as I can to dig into how can I help you, how can I help you, how can I help you. So it's a giving, give, 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 value, 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 value all day. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, 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 Gary V has a book. It says Jab, Jab, Hook. Yes, and that concept is especially relating to social media that you give, 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 ask. Yes. But that you've got to have the, the ask. Um, I love that concept. Mm -hmm. I haven't read the book, but yeah. I love the concept. Right. Me too. Uh, so. Come on. I don't have patience to read so many books, uh, even though I read. Yeah, and I get bored easily. Believe me, Grace. I get bored so easily. I'll read a book. I'll read for like two days, four days, and then, okay, I got the idea. Next book, you know, all right. You know, and then I'll probably go back again. 
Um, I'm not like Tim Ferriss who reads and writes and makes notes and and reads after notes and you know so on. But anyways, <laughs> so uh, so Tuesday is in, uh, interesting. I didn't ask you, uh, but what about? I'm still my question still remains. What do you yes. do um, after four o'clock or even before coming to work? Uh, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. When did you do? How? What's your day so like? There's some really there's some really amazing, impressive human beings who like wake up at 4.30 and hit the gym and make their bed and like floss six times and stretch <laughs> and drink six bottles of water and walk their dog. I'm not that person. Like I I will work or contribute on social media till about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I will lay in bed for mm-hmm. about 20 minutes before I actually get out of bed, just enjoying a quiet moment. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just lay like, you know, lay around with my dogs and just pray, think about my intention for the day, spend some time with my favorite person, yeah, myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I, um, I get ready. I, I kiss my kids a bunch of times, hug them, throw them around. And then I go to work. I mean, I don't have this magical, like, great routine i'm not the most organized person in the world (laughs) and i think you know what i'll be i'll be honest i think that's why people like me is because i'm so far from perfect (laughs) that they can relate it's hard it's hard i mean uh, i do my own thing but uh you know many a times i was like all right i don't think i want to do that today you know Um, i'm tired of my dentistry yesterday so i think i need a break Uh, everybody needs a break you know I, I think I'm more on the spontaneous creative side than I am on the structured side when it comes to my home life mm-hmm. because I'm so structured at work every minute, every meeting, every process, every system that when I'm at home, I lean really heavily on my husband who cooks, cleans, takes the kids to school, picks them up, um, grocery shops. I... I've got it made. I'm telling you, you, I'm telling you, your husband is, would be a person to be jealous for, right? <laughs> People, <laughs> my, one of my audiences would certainly say, I'll need that husband, right? <laughs> All right. He's taken, ladies, taken. Yeah, yeah, Just it's kidding. taken, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think we keep talking about uh, systems and processes and and. And every every person is selling their own systems. Every person is selling their processes. It's such an elusive phrase, I should say. You know, everybody has a different way. What what system and processes do you think you've created that you're most proud of, uh, and or that you can divulge, uh, you know, or maybe give give away to the audience that they can start implementing it. Uh, within a day or two uh, to make it better? So I probably have, like if, I, if I had to just guess a number, I probably have between, and I know this is a big range, between probably around 500 systems. Hmm. Um, from how my meetings are scheduled to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, CRMs, um, automatic workflows, 
I have a process for when I hire someone, how I'm going to make sure I don't miss their birthday hmm. and how I'm going to make sure that that's, that I'm reminded of it a week in advance so that I can prepare for it. I mean, I have systems for systems. I have systems of systems and I'm not talking just checklists. I'm talking like, like detailed instructions and that has been built over the last 10 years. Sure. And and just the way that the business operates with accountability mm-hmm. is my strongest system. So knowing that um, everything is going to get done, everything that needs to get done for every single client, I have total confidence that every single thing paid for is completed properly and goes through an approval process. Mm. So like... It's it's almost insanity. Give an example. And I don't resell it. I don't resell it to anybody. I'm sure you don't. No one. Well, come on. No one can. Have. Yeah, great. <laughs> but just give an give a taste of it. Give a taste to the audience. Yeah. You know, uh, that you think you can offer. So, like for instance, and this could be related and twisted into how does this apply to my business? So I'm going to talk about it as it is in my business, and then you know, for a dentist listening, sure, you could say how does that apply. So for me, like even um, onboarding a client or, or doing an internet marketing setup or setting up a campaign, there's a hundred steps for setting up an SEO campaign, yeah. making sure that every listing is verified, validated, that the right person on the team is doing different tasks. So it's not like a client comes in and um, one person on the team gets to handle 30 clients. It's not like that. It's like, one person is the specialist at validating emerging listings. Then one person checks the photography and then another person checks. So it's highly specialized, organized. And so that's a process. So the way that would apply to a dentist would be what steps are followed when we onboard or we, when we bring in a new patient and who's responsible for which steps at what point of the process or, or whatever it may be. But it seems like the way you are giving an example in your own business, you might, uh, how big is your team? Like, I know Marie is there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> About 15. Yeah, so you have 15 people, including you, right? Um, or 16, including you, right? Yeah, like, it. it I'm always hiring, so okay. like next week, oh. yeah. Uh, I think you should hire me next. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so uh, how would you be able to do such a long checklist kind of scenario in a dental office when there are, you know, in a smaller dental office when uh, you have only limited staff, how would you be able to, as you said, specialized staff doing specialized work, how would you actually be able to implement in a smaller office? I will give you a very, very detailed answer in March. Okay, okay, so... Keep me posted. I'm sure uh, we can we can set up a link or something for everybody. Yeah. You remind me of another uh, dentist I reached out to. I'm not going to name him. And uh, he says, reach me out in February. There's something good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know somebody I have to reach out in February, now in March. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay, good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, uh, so uh, I think let's start with uh, what... I think you you've alluded a little bit about how a new new client that comes up to you, how would you 
there's a there's a full checklist and all. But if a new client wants to reach out to you, what is what is the usual process? What do you guys do uh, for them to, you know, to, I don't want to say sell your services, but at least tell what you do. You know, how would you tell them? So I don't really go into a whole lot of detail about what we do and what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, my sales process, and I'll call it sales because it is what it is. Yeah. Um, my, my sales process is more about gathering information and really understanding the person that I'm there to serve, really understanding what their goals are. And I start diagnosing pretty early. Like I'll start judging someone, and I hate saying that, but it's true. And I'll, I'll recognize, okay, this person has really unrealistic expectations, so they haven't been able to try something long enough to get results. Or this person signed a really long-term contract with and bought air like they were really ripped off in the past so they may need to go slower so i really i like to truly understand the surroundings that someone's in the experiences that they've had the goals that they have for their practice and and from there it's like well this is a good starting point for you or this is the kind of plan you need now so for me it's a lot of um listening it's more listening than than telling I think you're banking on psychology. I don't know. Again, <clears throat> you're, you're majorly. Yeah, right. I can see that. So I got to learn all that. I don't know anything. <laughs> so, um, uh, so what? Who are your clients? I mean, I'm not asking the names of the clients. Uh, yeah. You know, confidentiality, whatnot. Um, but your range of clients, like um, uh, five hundred thousand uh, dollars, who are doing uh, annually five hundred thousand dollars to two million dollars, five million dollars. What do you say, Gross? Uh, my my ideal client has been in business a few years. My ideal client has already experienced the difficulties of being an owner. Yeah. And and the reason I say that is because a lot of times first time owners have nothing to compare anything to, mm -hmm. and so they come to us and they think that you know by investing. $500 a month from a startup with no patient base. We're going to be just booked. No. And it's like until they they start climbing the ladder, it, it may be premature to be able to appreciate us. Sure. So, and, and that's not to say I've got exceptions. I've got quite a few people that I've been able to help build from scratch that I loved working with and that have been some of my best clients. Typically, though, like my sweet spot, my favorite is when they've had some of those hard experiences and they come to us and then we can build a business like the length of their. I want them to be with me for as long as they're in business. Hmm. I want them to be able to depend on my team for any of their marketing solutions or advice on marketing. So I, I like working with that person that's got their feet wet a little bit. Got it. Um, and then I love, love, love my older clients too that are five years out from retirement and they want to build to sell. And they're thinking, how do, I, how do I not fizzle out? How do I go out with a bang? How do I get the most value? Mm -hmm. How do I build this legacy before I go into the next stage in my life? And that's, that's a really fun turning point as well. Legacy, yeah. Uh, again, Gary Vee talks all about legacy. We'll, we'll talk touch base with that. Um, uh, but 
what is your expectation uh, in terms of, um, I know marketing is such, such a broad term. Uh, you could do Google AdSense, Facebook marketing, messenger marketing, Instagram, uh, email marketing. <laughs> you know, you, it's, it's endless. It's pretty much endless. Um, that being said, uh, for the initial um, older office, three to five years old office, for example, who've been in the game, you know, uh, what do you think is their expected uh, pricing, or how much should they? Exp- it it willing- really depends. I know, it depends I know. on where they. It really does. Yeah, it really does. But mm-hmm. I'll give you. I'll give you a benchmark. But yeah. it depends on where they are psychologically. So if I come in and recommend to someone what I would do now, understanding marketing on this level, understanding business on this level, I could I could really scare off the person who just needs to build trust first and see a return. Right. And so I have some people who who come in and they're like, listen, Grace, I've been marketing for a long time. Sure. I've got a four thousand dollar digital marketing budget. What do you want to do with it and why? That's a very different conversation than someone who comes in and says, I've never done any marketing. I've grown exclusively through word of mouth. Yeah. And, and, but I want to start trying it because I don't want to become irrelevant. Yeah. But I'm weary. And th- like that might be a, well, let's get you started with one thing. Yeah. And then that one thing, whatever that one thing is that I recommend, it depends on what's their unique selling proposition. Hmm. How are they attracting the new patients? Are they doing like new patient specials? Are they in network with PPOs? Is it price driven in their community? Or are they trying to build um, a reputation for a certain level of service? Those are going to look like very different recommendations. So for me, that's why 80 to 90% of my planning session is asking the right questions. And then I, I get like five minutes like, okay, this is what you should do. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, I think uh, just to put a number uh, behind this this conversation, yeah. what would you say your benchmark number might be? You know, I'm not. Can you give me a town, like, so I can so, tell you a level of competition, and I can give you a recommendation based on something? So maybe ta- look at the town where I'm working right now. Uh, it's a small town uh, in Connecticut. Uh, next to New Haven, uh, it's okay. um, it's it's called Branford, B R A N F O R D, Branford, uh, and uh, it's not a huge town, but there are two towns next to each other, you know, three towns maybe, uh, but most of the most of the patients are coming either from Branford or East Haven, the smaller town around it. That's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and the patients are they the ideal patients that you are wanting to target are they high earners are they in the upper they're relatively high earners in this area it's called a shoreline so shoreline is okay. usually more close to the you know beach and all so uh, you can target higher uh, customers but as of now uh, we do accept medicaid for example in this office but we it would be a good idea for somebody to translate from medicaid to ppo uh, and obviously, FFS, some of the fee-for-service patients, if, because I do implants, guided implants and whatnot, maybe. So how would so you... So what I, what I would do is I would start by looking at your foundation, looking at your brand. Make sure that the fonts and the symbols and the message that's being put out that's representing your business as the face of your business mm-hmm. is professional and is going to connect with that target audience. Okay. 
I would also look at the website and make sure that it's communicating the right messages, okay. that it doesn't look cheap. Right. If you're in a high income area, but you have a cheap looking website, even with traffic, you're going to miss that connection mark. Um, from there, I would ask you more about what is it that you want people to know about you? Mm -hmm. What is it that makes you different? How are you differentiating? Okay. Once I had all of that, I'd be able to say, okay, this is where we should start. And so I'll give an example that's just fictitious sure. so that you can get something tangible out of this. Yes, yes. But let's say that all you wanted to do right now, you had a good good new patient flow for bread and butter, but you wanted to add five implant cases mm -hmm. a month. Yeah. Um, the three areas that I look at first are SEO, pay-per-click, and Facebook ads. SEO is great because it's going to get you quantity. People think that if you're at the top of Google organically, mm -hmm. it's because you're the best. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a great ROI in SEO for people who can do it, for people who can get you there. Yeah. There's a lot of people selling SEO that are selling air, and it drives me crazy. Yep. Um, then there's pay-per-click, which is obviously very targeted. You get more shoppers with pay-per-click, but when you utilize retargeting, so people are seeing your display ads yep. over and over again, yeah, yeah. you're creating an, an, a lasting impression. Now, with those Branding. two methods, yeah. and even with Facebook ads, you need to let it run for about six months. Sure. So if I were to run a campaign like this, mm -hmm. I would right now at this moment in time, call me in a year and my price may double, sure. but right now in this moment in time, I would run that campaign for $1,000 a month, Yeah. manage the website, manage the ads, multiple ads, yeah. multiple retargeting, landing pages, complete program for $1,000. And then, and this part's really important, yeah. you would determine your ad spend. And that would be in addition to what you paid us for strategy, management, optimization, reporting. Got it. So it's very important though and if you highlight the snippet and you pull it out and you share it with people i'll be grateful because people don't realize this marketing companies need to start being transparent with your ad spend yep. because what i have what i'm seeing happening is these marketing companies are getting dentists to sign up for a year for however long yep and they're saying here's three thousand dollars a month or two thousand or four thousand and they promise the world and then maybe every third month, they pocket the ad spend. Yeah. They stop running your ads. And what dentist is going to notice that? Sure. Who's going to be able to pick up on that? So you've got to be able to pay Google directly, pay Facebook directly yeah. with your own account and have access to it. Or that company could be like stealing from you. Basically, yeah. And it's way more common than you would think. Well, uh I'm sure my partner has a fair, fairly good idea about that. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I think you touched a, a very key word uh, in the conversation, ROI. Uh, now, this is, this is a very tough topic, ROI. How do you calculate that? And not only that, calculation is, you know, can go in 100 different directions. I think I know a few ideas myself. What I'm trying to say is um, you are able to run the, advertising campaign, you're able to uh, make X number of phone calls in my office, and some of them are converted, some of them are not. For a busy dentist, even, even for a busy dentist, how does he know how many of them are converting? What is your process of even calculating the ROI such that it becomes transparent? For an owner dentist, 
you know, who is not in this office, for example, and uh, he just is spending money with Grace uh, to figure out how much is he making. And uh-huh. you're not going to love you're not going to love my answer. That's okay. And it's not short either. So I apologize in advance, but it depends sure. on the person and what resources they have. So let's say Susan, your office manager, is a stat queen. And every month she gives you a report of where all your new patients are coming from and what they've done in, in terms of treatment. It's going to be very easy for you to look back and go, ooh, we got, what do you mean? We got five, ten from this particular campaign asking about implants and cosmetics, which is what we're running. Can we up our ad spend on that? Because what's it going to take to get us to 15 yeah. there? Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you reach a point where you hit a cap. Yeah. So. If you have that internal resource, you have that team training and that accountability in place, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to invest in the technology that's going to create the snapshot for you. And so there's a lot of other programs. There's a lot of programs out there that'll look in, that'll connect with your practice management software and pull out ROIs. What I do advise against is making sure that Um, your marketing company isn't the only people that you're relying on for data because again, a marketing company can have, you know, or these pay per lead models where you pay for every time someone calls your office. Well, it could be a sales call. It could be, and then it creates all this work for you to like chase down and manage. What are you getting? And it becomes a very price driven. We're just going to get the phones to ring with any old patient instead of, building a brand and reputation and creating a demand for what you do and who you are. So, but some people are okay with that. Some, some dental companies, and I'm going to say companies to distinguish, sure. only care about numbers. They don't care if they're bringing in that pain in the butt client or patient. That's going to be a nightmare for the whole team as long as they're getting paid. Right. And so it depends on what your goals are. So, uh, you're trying to say uh, you have a system at the back end when you re- we when our office receives a phone call uh, from one of the campaigns, uh, you are able to distinguish per- whether it's uh, yeah. it's a new patient and that new patient actually got converted into an appointment or not. It's not my software. I work with I work with tech companies that specialize in data and reporting Mm -hmm. but they're third-party services which is important because if you're getting your data directly from the marketing company they have a personal interest to skew that data yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh certainly 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 Uh, so uh, do you use call rail or something on those lines um i i prefer not to mention any particular companies i've got a handful that I rely on and refer to based on the needs of the client. Some are very robust with their service offerings. But for instance, like you may have this really super robust, awesome program. Sure. But half of what they do steps on the toes of the consultant who's in the practice working one-on-one with the team. And so you have to, in my role, I see as my responsibility to match up the appropriate solutions for what's needed and when you have all this overlap, you end up overpaying for what you need in your particular situation. That so, makes sense. That makes sense. No, yeah. I got that idea. Um, so, 
So basically, you would have a tech company or a third party which would be able to find, depending on the situation, depending on who the client is, you will be able to direct uh, the, the, the advertiser uh, to, and help him, him or her out getting into uh, the ROI, the correct ROI. Yes, but a lot of people don't need to overthink this because they do just pull the reports on a monthly basis and their team is already really well trained. So they may not need that. They run a campaign and they're like, yeah, our new patients are up. Yep. Yep. Like we expected. Yeah. <laughs> what right. else can we do? <laughs> so I like to meet people where they're at yeah. based on what their needs are at the time mm-hmm. to best utilize their money. Got it. <clears throat> Got it. Um, team. Now you touched again, team training. I asked this question to everybody, pretty much. Um, and I asked Dr. Travis Campbell, too. Uh, I'm going to ask you. Um, for for a, a smaller office, which doesn't have a lot of uh, team members involved, you know, there's two assistants, one front desk, one hygienist, you know, or a mix of that. Um, how, how do you, what is your uh, idea and how can we make sure the team member never leaves in a good way, you know, um, that they are loyal to the office, you know, uh, and because I believe there's such a team members are so crucial, you know, without them, uh, you have 15 team members and you have a system in place. Uh, there's a reason, you know, everybody works and you have, you know, uh, the systems will only work when we have a team at the back end to make it work for most part. At least somebody. Yes. At least somebody. Yes. You know, I, it's true. It's true. What you're saying is true. Right. I look at it differently, though. Okay. I look at it really differently. So it's funny that you say this. I had an interview yesterday with a brilliant woman that I really want to hire, and she and I asked her a long-term plans. She was honest with me, which I totally respect. And she's like, "Well, in like five years, I'd like to start my own business and have my own business." And I'm looking at like. 24 year old grace yeah i'm like do it now do it now or don't do it because once you work for me i'm going to make it very difficult for you to leave and she started laughing and i said no i'm going to treat you very well i'm going to give you opportunity here and you're going to be at the point of earning where it's going to be very hard for you to go somewhere else because you're going to be happy you're going to be taken care of going to be cared about here this is going to become your work family so if you join us just know what you're giving up because i'm going to make it very difficult for you to leave and she laughed (laughs) and she's like i love your honesty and i'm like just let me know and i said if you want to start your business i will mentor you great so you make that decision and i'm going to help you however i can and so all the things i told her is what i would tell someone in in retaining quality team members. What I would also say, though, and what I see as the biggest problem in dentistry <laughs> is the inability to let go of the wrong fit employee because of the fear of not being able to replace them and the cheapness of not wanting to invest in help recruiting and training. Biggest problem. Right. <clears throat> Again, uh, completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. I'm a dentist. I trained my staff here. I'm here all the time. But I, wa- I had a good advantage. My office was a startup. I had a lot of time 
in my hand, right? You know, I understand. You know, I built up and you know uh, it grew and uh, it is it is where it is. And you know, my patients still remember me when we opened up the office in 2016. They come to me, hey, you're back. You know, they're happy to see me. And um, <clears throat> uh, even today, I've, I wasn't working because I had this interview. Um, uh, my patients who saw me today and they were like, "You're not seeing my kid?" I was like, "Oh no, my partner is here today." You know, okay. Now, I have time. I had advantage. How would you continue training somebody who has a busy office or, or an established office? I go and buy an office tomorrow, right? Was doing almost $800,000. It's busy from the day one. And how are you going to train uh, the, the, the staff to, to do you, what they you want? Hire, you hire someone who's an expert at recruiting talent and training. And you either bring them in if you're at a point where you've got multiple locations and you've got the, the earnings there to, to reinvest in the business, you either bring someone in as an employee who's going to oversee the team at a certain level okay. or you hire an outside support specialist that can come in and diagnose the areas of opportunity and provide the support that as a pro- provider of the practice, as a, a clinical you know, provider, you don't have necessarily the time to focus there. So there's that. And then there's like the Monday morning meeting, which could be Thursday afternoon if you want. Yeah. But it's putting that time in and it's building those relationships that's going to build the team. But it's also not accepting the wrong fit. I agree. Completely agree with that. It's hard to let go because um, now you have two, you've trained one. Now you feel like, oh, I've trained one. She's good. She does good. But sometimes somebody's subordinating you. It's in someone, and then you then you decide what to do. Should I let her go? And now I need to start the training again. You see, now that's that's a cycle. That's a cycle. I believe many of the, if not startups, but at least the initial, I would say seven hundred to eight hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars gross income. Uh, uh, for a dental office, struggles the most. And that's where I think the DSOs are in cashing on. You know, oh, don't worry. I'll make it happen for you because they have a team at the back end. They have the training team at the back end who's going to do it. Um, But it's hard. It's hard to let go. um, It's hard, but you've got to have some metrics on how to identify when it's time to let someone go. Mm -hmm. And that helps significantly. I'm a big fan of the book Traction by Gino Wickman. Yes, yes. I'm obsessive about this book. And Gino Wickman says you've got to get it, want it, and be capable of it. And sometimes you can have the right people in the wrong seats of the bus. <laughs> and sometimes you can have people that aren't going to, they don't belong on your bus. Yeah. And, and but one, one of the things I've learned in the last two years only, yeah. which is, hard for me to admit okay right i'm still learning this sure is that we need to get comfortable with uncomfortable conversations and the book there's a book called the discomfort zone and i can't think of the author right now it's a female author sure. can't think of her name it's okay it really helped me in having those hard conversations hmm. and i've had conversations this year that i've never been comfortable having in the past that i've danced around in the past like so and so. Yeah. Yeah. Your productivity is low for your position and for the expectations that I have for you. What can we do to get your productivity up? Okay. Okay. That's a hard conversation to have with someone. Yeah. Or 
so-and-so, I notice every time I ask you to do something, you give me reasons as to why you can't do it. Mm. That mentality and attitude is is taking energy from me. Sure. I would love to promote you. This is the next, this is the thing I want to see, like, change. Yeah. A lot of times people aren't even familiar. That they're doing something wrong. That they're doing something. And it's funny because I've tore down these walls and I've gotten comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. And I've seen so much progress from people just because, again, our thoughts are our reality. And if we think that person's never going to change, then that's our reality. Mm. So we have to give people every opportunity to progress and grow. We have to coach them in exactly how to progress and grow by Mm -hmm. being okay with uncomfortable conversations. And what happens is the people that are not a fit will deselect themselves when they have accountability for their responsibilities and for their behavior and for their attitude. Yeah, that makes sense. That is, uh, yeah, uh, The Traction is a really great book. I think I've been recommended by so many people. I think I should have to read it now. And now you're recommending... um, uh, discomfort, uh, the discomfort zone. The discomfort zone. Um, so uh, that's great. Uh, I'm glad we're talking about books already. Uh, why don't you? Uh, do you have any other books that you want to recommend? Oh, um, well, I'm a, I'm a skimmer. Oh. If I can get the if I can get the concept <laughs> of the book by the title alone, I'm not going to read it. So, for instance, everyone loves start with why. Yeah. I love like, the concept. It's it could be a two page PDF. Sorry, Simon, you're brilliant, yeah, but yeah. It, it was a lot of words. Um, eat that frog. Eat the frog. Never read it, but all I needed was the concept. <laughs> <laughs> but traction's meaty. Okay, traction's like you read it eight times. You take something out of it every time you read it. You can mark it up. It's the kind of thing you really need to like. Got it. Dig into. Yeah. Um, Discomfort zone is one you could you could audible and yeah and get some really good stuff out of it. Got it. Um I I am constantly audibling, so I could I don't always even remember the, the title, but I literally go through so many books. Yeah. 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 Do you need sure. Oh, he hasn't met me. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, I was saying, uh, continuing with the book. So, di- uh, yes. So, traction. Eat the frog. Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek's. Uh, no, 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 no. Those aren't my recommendations. Traction is the most important. Is the book? Yeah. Is the book? Got it. Um. Oh gosh, there's so many. What am I reading right now? I'm reading the Culture Code right now. It's really good. From by you know the name. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll look I it up. I should. Culture Code. Culture Code. The Culture Code. I'm reading that right now. Cool. While I'm audibling that. Um, I like most books that I read. Sometimes my morning habit is while I'm putting on hair and makeup, like while I'm putting on my face. I'll do Blinkist. Oh, yeah, I know Blinkist. Yes, I know. So that's... I'm a big fan of the the whole concept. Oh, a marketing book that I love. Sure. It's called Building a Story Brand. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard about it. 
by Donald Miller. Okay. Very good. And most books I start and I don't finish because they're not that good. Yeah. The Discomfort Zone is by Marsha Reynolds. Okay. Great. Which is good. Yeah. Um, none of these I finished. At least you're honest yeah, there. I mean, <laughs> I really, I, I've read parenting books. Oh, ah, uh, that book was just okay. I just, I take in as much information as I can. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, Patrick, Patrick Lencioni. Okay. Classic. Um, that's it. Good. Good enough. That's all I got. I'm sure, um, I'm sure uh, my audience would be busy enough uh, to read these books for now, right? Yes. And uh, I'm certainly going to be, I think The Traction is my next book. Um, but I've, I've, lately I was listening to Principles by Ray Dalio. You know about that? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful, heavy book. A beautiful yes. book. Um, that's, a, that's a good one. And 48 Laws of Power. Have you heard about that? Ooh. No, but I'm on it. Well, I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy that. Uh, the way I... The psychology uh, side? Psychology and uh, it actually... Tell, so it has a le- negative connotation to it that, you know, you're trying to build up the power, you know, that you want to be powerful. But... This author, Robert Greene, he gives examples in history all over the world uh, saying how one thing, you know, uh, you could do that actually builds up the power, that you become more powerful, not always in a bad way, you know, just, you know, you become powerful in a good way, too, that you're not succumbed by, um, how do I say, life. Uh, business, uh, and so many things. I think, uh, so read it with a little uh, positive attitude. And I think I can recommend you because you're pretty positive yourself. So, uh, Thank you. yeah, uh, so 48 Laws of Power, uh, tough book. I usually listen to, it's an audible, I usually listen to only one law, if at all, because it gets too heavy for me many a times. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Thank you. All right. So, uh, now, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? That you're really good at, but never people no, nobody asks you that. So, what do people never ask you that you wish that they did? Um, I I think it's I think digging into what makes people who they are and why they are is really interesting. And I think that always stems from where we came from right? and, and our fears. And so I think one day it might be cool to open up about my past. Okay. So we have a second session ready. We can do the second <laughs> session <laughs> someday when you're ready. Oh, that's a good answer. I like it. I like it because I think I st- I think very similar to that, uh, uh, but we'll get to that whenever we talk next. There's, there's, there's really a lot of power in overcoming obstacles, and I think that there's a lot of, of untapped growth that can occur when you learn about people's yeah. challenges. The reasons of yeah. the behave, their, their behavior, why they're behaving in a certain way. Yeah. Right. Completely agreed. So um, now, by the way, these are Tim Ferriss inspired questions. These are not my own questions. So all right. So I'm just 
reading through. So um, advice to your younger self or if you could go back in your career or life uh, and change one decision, what would it be? Wouldn't change anything. Um, but if I could tell my younger self something, sure. it would be um, probably tell my current self this too. Just chill the F out. <laughs> Just learn how to relax once in a while. Like you've got to enjoy this life. You've got you to find and I love the challenge, and I think I get stuck there. But sometimes you need some brevity. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you went for your birthday, you know, wherever you go, you know, for your party. <laughs> Just having a little fun. I worked. You worked? I worked. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Disney World with my kids next week to see them have brevity will give me that. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Disney World is always great. I, I was there seven years ago, and I still still remember. It's so fresh. Um, um, what do you think is excuse me what is one habit that you think that makes you successful I floss (laughs) (laughs) that's a dental Um, joke okay carry on yeah that's a dental joke for you Um, it's a habit I think it's just that I obsessively care about other people I just I really care about everyone I encounter like deeply, I'm a deep, like troubled empath. Like I feel what other people feel and I put myself in their shoes as much as I can. And I think just staying in that space, it's exhausting emotionally, Yeah. but it, it um, is just the core. It's what, what keeps me going. Great. So I don't know if it's a habit, but. No, no, no. It, uh, this helps. This answers the question really good. Good. Um, if you have a giant billboard such that you could display a great message or a quote for everyone to follow, of course, not about your company, by the way, or podcast, uh, what would you like to tell people or the dental world? Uh, you are enough. Mm, interesting. Elaborate. Elaborate more. You're enough. You're, you're, you're just who just you're enough. You're worthy. Um you're valid, you deserve a happy life, you deserve good things, and you're enough just the way you are. Thank you. Thank you. That touched me, by the way. Um, Great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think uh, we left with one. Uh, The best purchase that you made between $100 to $300 that impacted your life in a positive way? Um. Well, after coming off that deep question, now I've got a really superficial question, a really superficial answer. I've got a webcam that's on a stand that hits me more at eye level that when I use my computer webcam, it it dwarfs me. And so it was like around $200 and it's a Logitech and it's on a little sphere and it just, it was a great investment. (laughs) Do you have, uh, before we wrap up, before we really wrap up, uh, do you have any final words that you would like to say to our audience? Absolutely. If you approach every single day with the intention to help the people that you encounter, you'll be successful and you'll be happy. You just keep good intention. Everything will follow. Great. 
Uh, and where could people find you on social media or any emails or your website? Um, I've got I've got two sites. So GraceRizza.com is my public speaking type influencer site. My business is IdentityDental.com. My Facebook group is Dental Marketing with Grace. And I put a lot of content in there. Um, and then, you know, just, I guess, search Grace Rizza. You'll find me. There you go. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Would you like to get a really small email a couple times a month to see what hashtag POD is up to? What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we doing? What's stupid, funny, entertaining, and some weird stuff that we gotten ourselves into? Then go to podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. E-X-T-R-A. That's right. Podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. And you will get a really small email from us to give you that little extra kick and keep you busy exploring the world we travel. You can also find us on Facebook at podcastsofdentistry.com slash Facebook. Thank you for listening. Hashtag POD. And I'll see you inside.